Simon. Welcome to another episode of the East Bidwell Podcast. Today on the show, we have marketing expert and the founder of DV Plus Partners, David Berry. David is going to be taking us through his journey from junior college to working on some of the best brands in the world. In addition, he's going to be telling us what he looks for in hiring new candidates and the important characteristics to advancing quickly in the workplace. Without further ado, David Berry, welcome to the show. It's uh, awesome to be on and I'm excited about what you're doing with your podcast. So it's, it's a pleasure to be on here. That's so awesome, man. So we wanted to start with um, your journey. Tell tell people who haven't met you yet what you're all about, where you started from, and how you got to where you are today. I uh, so I actually I grew up in Rochester, New York. I've I've lived in Miami for 12 years now. Um, but I you know I had blue collar parents. Father was a tool maker. Mom did in home daycare. Um, you know, fast forward a little bit. I did two years of junior college up there because uh, I really didn't. I, I was the first one in my extended family to even go to college, so I didn't really know. You know what there was to study, I guess, outside of you know being a doctor or a lawyer or a teacher, right? Um, so you know, after that, I, I came down to Miami to finish up college. Uh, I studied public relations, hated it. Um, ended up getting into you know marketing and, and advertising, and that's been uh, my career has been ten years long now at this point, and that's that's what I've dedicated myself to. So, really, in the past uh, five years, though, I've worked at two of the the two biggest ad agencies in South Florida, and I was running social media in some capacity for both of them. So I've worked on some uh, accounts like, you know, MetLife, Party City, Domino's, uh, Dunkin' Donuts, a lot of a lot of really big clients, a lot of fun work. And uh, about three months ago, I transitioned out into saying, as a lot of people do to themselves, hey, I think I can do this on my own. Uh, so let me, you know, give it a shot. And yeah, I'm basically at about 100 days now uh, of giving it that effort. And uh, so far, so good. <laughs> some days are better than others. So talk about that transition from junior college over to to a bigger college. It had to be a little bit tough to jump in there and be like, okay, I'm going to a completely new state. I don't really know too many people here. How did you deal with that transition? You know, it, it was interesting. I, uh, you know, I, like I said, I grew up in Rochester, New York. And for those of you listening who've never heard of it or been there, uh, it's a it's a moderately sized city, but for the most part, it's, you know, it's pretty suburban, it's small. And, um, you know, getting down to Miami was a, a huge culture shock. Um, you know, I was getting my first week, people were speaking to me in the grocery store in Spanish. And, you know, all I'd done was take two years of it in college. So I could just say, you know, hola, muchas gracias. Um, <laughs> but, you know, outside of that, I think for me, the most important part was to know I was in Miami to, to work. And so I, you know, I, I did it. I, I got right down to, to business and I, I got a full time job because I had or I'm sorry, a part time job. Um, because I had bills to pay. I had to pay, you know, my rent. I didn't have my parents helping me out with that. Um, and I, I really, I, I'll say in retrospect, something that I did then and something that I've, I've still continued to do now that served me well, um, is to not let my time happen on accident. Um, if I knew that I was working, you know, between a certain period of time, if I it was in the office from, you know, nine to three, then I knew when I got out, you know, I had maybe 30 minutes to, to go grab something to eat, but you know, at three thirty, three forty-five. I had to be in front of the computer with silence for at least two hours to get some work done. Um, good habits don't happen on accident. And it's, you know, discipline is a boring word, but there can be joy within that discipline. Um, because if you set, you know, a system for yourself and you follow it, eventually, you know, the, that work and that time that you want to put into this thing to build your skill set is, is going to happen. Um, and I'm, you know, fortunate to say in, in a number of different ways, not strictly financial, but it's, it's paid off for me. Yeah, I, I think that's that's an awesome awesome sentiment because 
when you when you think about how how hard you've worked and all the things you're working on now, which we'll jump into a little bit later, it takes a lot of discipline because there's nobody really telling you what to do on a daily basis, and it really comes down to you if your business makes or breaks it. Mm-hmm. Yep. How much harder do you think it was than what you thought it would be um, entering into the workplace? Uh, you know, it, it was it was hard. It was very hard. I, I knew. It's amazing. You think that college is going to prepare you and you're like, oh, I studied, you know, public relations so I can go do that. Or I, I know advertising so I can go do that. The reality is it's almost entirely a clean slate. What you've what college basically is, um, is almost like an incubator. Right. You were you're, you're sort of like premature there um, when you get into college. And in a lot of ways, that's helping to give you some life skills, some exposure to presentation and group projects and stuff like that. But the reality is a, a lot of careers, maybe with the exception of you know law and medicine uh, and stuff like that, some of the sciences, um, everything that you're going to learn really only becomes real once you go out and get your job. So I think you know, the transitioning into my career was a lot harder than I expected. Um, I, I learned search engine marketing you know, right out of undergrad and I'd never even you know, like understood what it was uh, prior to that. And so you have to understand the professional environment pretty quickly and that to me was uh difficult you know i had i had times where i wasn't sure that i was really cut out for what i was doing i felt you know overwhelmed i felt stupid um and the reality is you know in hindsight and i have hired people who you know later on were basically the age i was when i started working and i i tell them i very frankly in my in the first interview i don't expect you to know anything (laughs) <laughs> Instead, I expect you to uh, absorb as much as you can and work as hard as you can every day. I expect you to make mistakes. I expect you to fumble. Um, I don't even think you're going to be that good at your job for the first 90 days. And I've, I've said that, <laughs> not, not to like scare them, but you know, to give them that, that perspective where I hope that helps them remove that pressure, immense pressure that a lot of people feel to get out there and, you know, start making six figures like the way that they think that it was going to work out when they graduated college. Um, as long as you're working hard and you have a good attitude, I really think that you can do anything. Yeah. So, so let's, let's go a little bit deeper on that. What, what are you looking for when you're hiring someone straight out of college? So if you met David, who was 22, just getting out of college, what would you be looking for in that younger version of yourself to say, okay, this guy can really work in my company. This is what I'm looking for. You know, I don't know if I would have hired me. <laughs> uh, honestly, you know, I, I'm thankful to say that my writing skills were there, but I, I also thought I knew more than I knew. Um, and I, I've, that's one thing I don't take kindly to, you know, when hiring somebody is, it's, it's not to say that the person hiring you knows it all because they don't. Um, but they are in a position in an environment corporately where they have, you know, some experience that you don't. And of course, you're being hired to bring your ideas and your and your skills to the table. But in order to really serve that team or that role as, as best as you can, you really do need to be a sponge. You do need to kind of be a task manager. And I think the people who are who are eager, who are proactive, who anticipate needs and who are well organized to me almost always rise uh, above the, you know, the, the talent threshold for people who you know have great ideas but aren't willing to to do those extra things um as cliche as it sounds i would much rather 10 times out of 10 have a team player you know next to me than a superstar who's a ball hog um that's that's just not going to help anybody grow and it's not going to help them grow either 
Yeah, no, I, I agree with that completely. I'm, there's been there's been so many instances where we could probably both talk about how the superstar was carrying the team, but then when the superstar goes down maybe five days or six days into a project, the project completely falls off rails because nobody around them knows what how to pick it up or how to finish the project. So it, it can completely throw everything off if you do have that superstar. Exactly, exactly. Now, now let's get into into the corporate life. You you said after college you get got to work with two of the bigger uh, media and marketing firms down here. Tell us about that experience. What did what did you learn there? How did you grow from that? Sure. Well, I, actually, that that came uh, a couple of years later. I started really in small business marketing, and um, I, I won't say I bounced around, but I didn't really feel like I had found anything that I uh, that I loved that was really compelling to me. Uh, but I will say when I really reached professional maturity was when I uh, worked at Crispin Porter and Bogusky, um, which is based out of Boulder, Colorado, but they have uh, a pretty decent sized satellite office in Miami. And it was, you know, everybody always sees these big companies on TV that they want to work for. And for me, it was, you know, MetLife. I'd always seen, uh, you know, Snoopy and uh, all the Peanuts gang cartoons. And that was the brand that I was working on. It was one of the, you know, Fortune 50 companies in the world. And all of a sudden, it wasn't, you know, I couldn't be haphazard about anything I was doing. This was this was the big leagues. And I learned very quickly that it was the big leagues. There was a way to do things. Um, and then when I w- went over to Zimmerman Advertising, um, again, not Fortune 50 brands, but still some very big players. And But the difference was I was in charge of several of them along with a, a much larger team. So at that point, it was not just my work I was responsible for, but I needed to make sure my entire team was up to uh, – up to the task of, of delivering every day and you it's it's like training for for any sport uh or you know, like major event right and that is your training will ultimately reveal the truth when when things really you know really get tough and you don't have you know good work habits uh developed or you're um you know you haven't really stayed organized to get things done things will fall through the cracks um you will you will make mistakes. You'll you'll break things, and and it doesn't look good. I think you know. Yes, there's it's a high pressure environment, and I'm thankful that I was in that. Um, but it taught me. I think the things I've really been speaking about on on this conversation with you, which is being organized and and being you know forthcoming and transparent and and hardworking, solve almost every professional problem. I don't know anybody who has those skills who will fail. Uh, and that is something that I think I developed a little bit later than I should have, but that is serving me well now since I've gone off on my own. Yeah, that's that's really important. Um, so so you've worked you've worked on these big accounts. You've seen these big executives. You've probably talked to them about their project, what they're looking for. What's some characteristic that all of them had in common? What was that thing that they all maybe it was an, an aura or maybe it was a, a characteristic? They all wake up early, something like that. What was that thing that they all had in common that got them to where they are? Hmm. That's a good question. I would say an eagerness to learn. There are you know, people who, who come in, like I said, with, with skill sets and stuff like that. Um, some people are, you know, burn the midnight oil types. Um, in, in fact, I've never been that type of person until I very recently, and you and I actually were talking about this the other day, um, about how I feel like I do get some of my best work done now, you know, after midnight. It's not ideal. Um, some people like waking up, you know, in the mornings and stuff like that. But I really think the the ones who succeed um, are the ones who have an eagerness to learn, who recognize they might know a very lot, um, but they they don't know everything, and they have an eagerness to continue layering on top of that. Let's say they're the smartest person in the room. Well, they're not satisfied with that. They want to continue to build on top of that 
and and evolve and grow. Um, how is you know I think is very subjective. I'm you know all about people waking up early or if they want to sleep in you know who cares like those things especially as you move into what I'll call like a more modern workspace. To me, the days of the nine to five sitting at a desk are are gone, or if they still exist, as they do for a lot of people, um, they're they're no longer reasonable or realistic to the type of life we're living. Um, I think work and education is uh, outside of the the timelines of what a normal work day would look like. Um, and if you're willing to to keep learning and you have that open mind, uh, that's going to serve you well, not just professionally but personally, as well. That's that's really important too because that's actually another thing that we talk about a lot is the is the growth mindset. If if you're willing to learn anything, if you're willing to pick up anything, there's really not a limit on on what you can do out in the professional field and a lot of people who are hiring are saying, "Yeah, we're we're transitioning from wanting people who can do the skill to people who can learn how to do the skill." So, I think that's right in line with what you're saying. Mhm. 100%. Yeah, and frankly, you know, the just way I described social media is sort of an exact uh you know, answer to what you just said. And that is, there are things that people are studying for today um, that, you know, that's how they're going to start their careers. And five, 10 years from now, there's going to be technology and industries that didn't even exist before, which is where they're going to be applying their skills. So, you know, things, I mean, think about, you know, companies like Airbnb uh, that didn't even exist, you know, five or so years ago, um, that flipped the real estate industry, um, you know, on its head to a degree or, or even the hotel industry. Uh, Uber, you know, a company that really didn't exist, you know, so long ago, like the same thing, it, it flipped transportation on its head. So if you have, you know, a, a clear set of eyes, um, the skills are almost secondary. And, and to your point, that's, that's where people will win. So now we want to transition a little bit into your current project. Tell us what it's like to start a business from the ground up. <laughs> Horrifying, exciting, uh, expensive, cheap. <laughs> It's any given day. The uh, the answer is going to be different. Um, you know, I've I've wanted to do this for a while, and I was fortunate to be in a position where um, I won't say that everybody has this uh, advantage, but I I will say I've been pretty good about you know maintaining contact uh, with people that I've worked with in the past, um, and even not even you know professionally but personally as well. I just you know, happen to do a good job of staying in touch with people. Well, I had a couple of you know small projects on the side that I had sort of left there, um, you know, waiting until who knows, maybe at some point it was it was the right time. And another one popped up all, all at once. And I was like, you know what, rather than, you know, going on to another job and, and trying to change my career prospects, maybe this is the time for me to kind of jump off the ledge and see if my parachute opens. And uh, and that's what I did. The the work is still the work, right? Um, I'm still doing, you know, a lot of the same things I was before building, you know, strategy, uh, presentations for for potential new clients, um, you know, doing the grunt work of, you know, writing an email or writing a blog post or, um, you know, developing a report to show a client how all of their their work did that month. That the work hasn't really changed. It's the the dynamic that has. So whereas before I had a, an entire team, you know, that was responsible and an entire backing of a corporation that had years and years of credibility, now it's kind of me. Um, so I have to be, you know, the accountant, I have to be the CEO, I have to be the entry level employee. Uh, I have to take, you know, all the phone calls, answer all the emails, um, work overtime, you know, when something doesn't work the way that the client wants it to, or whatever the case is. Um, it has been one of the most rewarding and, 
uh, intense experiences of my adult life. And I'm only, you know, like I said, about a hundred days in, but I, I wouldn't change it. And I, I understand the reservation that a lot of people have about doing something like this. And I was one of those people. I graduated college. Um, I was offered $30,000 a year as an entry level salary with some benefits um, and a 401k. And I was like, oh, this is, this is what you do. Um, but I just don't remember any kid ever growing up and saying, yeah, what do you want to be when you grow up? And they answer with, yeah, I want, you know, I want a, a moderate salary with health benefits and uh, a 401k plan. No, people want to do their, their own thing. I don't know a single person in a corporation who's 100% satisfied in that environment. I'm sure, you know, a lot of people make good livings that way. The reality is everybody wants to try. Everybody wants to, to, to some degree or another. Um, and to me, one of the worst things to ever have happen is get to a point in your career or your life and ask what if or what you know why didn't I or something like that and who knows a few months from now this could all fall flat but in my mind uh, it's not going to number one I'm gonna I'm gonna continue to put in the work necessary to make sure it doesn't Um, but number two let's say it did you know fall flat well then there's always going to be jobs Um, if it's not you know what I've learned then there's gonna be something else and I and I can find those but I feel like if you put your time and your effort into to yourself you're, you're gonna get no better reward and that's uh, hopefully financial, of course, but also intrinsically uh, being able to wake up every day, look in the mirror and say, I'm doing it. I'm, I'm doing it on my terms and, and I'm succeeding. I don't care if it's just enough to pay your bills. You're you're winning. And, and that's sort of how I feel, you know, about what I've been able to do so far. Yeah, that was that was an absolutely incredible answer. Um, I, yeah, I, I'm almost speechless at the end of that one. That was that's exactly <laughs> like that was that was yeah. probably one of the best answers I've heard so far on recording this show. So that was incredible. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I feel so it intensely now. So that's part of the reason I guess it's so raw. <laughs> yeah, it, it it felt like it came straight from your heart. That's what that's what I appreciated about it. Thanks. So so I also wanted to talk a little bit about we've talked a lot about your business, your career progression. Let's talk about your your personal life. Who were those people that that influenced you? Who who made you into who you are today? Who do you look up to? Um, and anything around around that? What do you feel about that? Uh, I actually have two answers to that, and I will have to send this podcast to the second person because I, I think he'd be blown away to hear his name mentioned. But the first two are definitely my parents, um, and like I said, they grew up blue collar and you know wanted my sister and I to go to college um, because that's something they didn't do. They knew that was a good thing for us, um, but in terms of you know, I know a lot of people who grow up with, you know, parents who did all of those things, you know, were in college, um, you know, had successful careers. And, you know, my parents, um, you know, thankfully, we were in a situation where we always had enough, um, but neither of them, you know, really went above and beyond with education to, to really explore some of their own passions. And they really pushed my sister and I to do those things that they hadn't. Um, and in that regard, you know, I have friends whose parents would you know, for example, a friend of mine told his parents, oh, I want to be a stockbroker. And they were like, well, that's too volatile. You know, you're you're very good at math and, and science. You should be an engineer. And, you know, that was a path he went down. And I felt like in some ways they kind of stomped on his, his bigger ambitions because of something they thought was safer. My parents never did that. And I'm very thankful for that. Um, but in terms of, you know, some sort of successful person to sort of follow in their, their lead, I didn't really have that person growing up. I just, it just didn't exist. The closest I had, and this is the part two of my answer, um, was my best friend's brother, whose name is also David. Um, and he's actually the one who's a year and a half older than me, but, uh, sort of like that 
big brother. He was more reluctant to have me than the other way around. Um, but, but he, um, he's the first one, you know, who was like, Oh, well, I want to go to Miami and I want to study business and I want to do these things and that, you know, this and that. And I just was, I was fascinated. I was mesmerized and I, I really in so many ways wanted to, to be him. Um, you know, sort of like following those footsteps. And interestingly enough, his whole, you know, future was predicated on moving to Miami and, you know, and being this business guy. And, uh, you know, he ended up moving back to or well, closer to New York City and then New Jersey. Um, and I'm the one who stayed in Miami and in a lot of ways fulfilled what it was that he had you know, set out for himself. Um, and a big part of the reason that that you know, was ever possible is because I, you know, I really looked up to him. Um, and even though he was you know, sort of a peer and as we've gotten older, you know, really is you know, more of a peer to me. Um, you know, it was, I feel like everybody needs someone that they can latch on to. And, uh, for me, he wasn't, you know, somebody who was 20 years older than me, who'd been there and done that. He was somebody who was just always five or six steps ahead of me. And I was like, all right, you know, I, let, let me keep trying to keep pace with him. If eventually I catch up, you know, then I'm going to be in, in good hands. And, um, I'm, I'm by no means a finished product and nobody ever is, but I feel like I've, I've achieved a lot more than I ever thought, you know, would be possible like I said, in large part, thanks to my parents, but you know, also my friend David. If, if you, David, could talk to the other David, um, or you could actually talk to, to, the, to the people graduating college today, what is the thing that that other David taught you, and how would you pass that on to them? What would you say to them if you could talk to them heart to heart? It's, it's interesting because I, I talked a lot before about uh, humility and a willingness to learn, but at the same time, you have to be almost naive and naive in your ambition, naive in yourself, um, you know, worth and stuff like that. So it's, and don't get me wrong, that's a, <laughs> that's oxymoronic in some ways to say like, you have to be humble, but, um, but naive enough to think that you can set the world on fire. Um, but that's, that's really, you know, sort of the hybrid. And I would say, look, you, you don't know a lot today, but you're capable of so much more than you imagine that you are. Um, and I, you know, I went to high school with a, a ton of peers who, you know, bless them, are, are working hard, um, but they're in, you know, the same blue collar jobs that their, you know, that their parents or, and uncles and aunts were in and stuff, and that's fine. But I know that's not the ambition that a lot of people have for themselves. And so I would say, yes, this is this is very much a part of who you are. But there's nothing that says you can't become, you know whatever it is that you're imagining for yourself. But yes, you do have to be humble enough to recognize you're not there yet. Um, but you have whatever it is that you're equipped with, I don't care what it is that you're doing. Somewhere within you is the the compass that knows, generally speaking, what your skills are and where you can take them. And it's just a matter of, you know, plotting the right moves in those directions uh, so that you get there. For me, it was surrounding myself with uh, with good people, people who believed in me, people who gave me their time. Um, and then it was also, you know, looking for, for opportunities to, uh, enrich myself in, in other ways too. You know, it, even in hindsight, the, the Crispin Porter and Bogusky job that I took when I first worked on MetLife, um, if I trace it even a step behind that came to me because of some volunteer work that I did at Miami Children's Hospital. Um, it was something that I wanted to do that I thought was going to enrich me personally. Uh, and it did. I, I volunteered there for eight years. And uh, the referral that I got at Crispin and Porter was someone I volunteered with who knew very little about my work, um, but knew a lot about, you know, the type of time and effort I put into volunteering at the hospital um, and thought enough of it to make a recommendation for me that turned into a job and, and sort of changed my career. Um, so I would say 
that humility part, I'm not trying to <laughs> sort of ironic and I'm going to pat myself on the back for doing something noble, I guess. But, um, but you know, it's, it's not enough to just grow professionally and, you know, work on all those things. Um, it's to take a step back. And as you continue to move along the way, um, you know, help people who are either your peers, people who are behind you, even people ahead of you, whatever it is, you know, be looking at those, those ways to, to contribute and, and to grow. But whatever it is that you have um, is, is enough. It's just a matter of putting in the time and work to get there. Well, David, we want to know how to get in contact with you. If, if people have more questions, want to learn more about you, how can, how can they get in contact with you? How can they be in touch? What, what can they do to do that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I love spending time on Instagram uh, and I respond to you know, all my messages there. I have a, a pretty funny Instagram handle, which is David is for lovers uh, is my Instagram <laughs> handle. Um, but yeah, I have um, email information on my website, which is I am David dot com B E R R Y. And uh, you can also check out my business website, which is dbpluspartners.com. Uh, I'm very good at responding and uh, would love to hear from anybody who's got any questions. Uh, you know, Vinny, I believe a lot in what it is that you're doing. And, you know, the people listening obviously feel the same way. Um, and it's, it's funny that I'm even being, you know, given a chance to speak on something like this because, uh, you know, I was a blue collar kid in Rochester, New York, who had no idea what he was going to do and still in a lot of ways don't know. Um, but I'm a lot farther than I ever thought I would be. So happy to take a call or an email from anybody who, who wants to pick my brain. Thank you so much for being on the show, David. It has been an absolute pleasure to interview you. Can't wait to get this over to you. Thanks uh, very much for having me again. You know, what really impressed me about David in that interview is that he, he had that work ethic and that humility, and that's, that's not something you see every day. And if you see him on an everyday basis, he's always hustling, he's always working, and, and it's incredible to be inspired by that. So that's really refreshing to see. We hope that interview was as informative and interesting to you as it was on our end, and we hope it helps you on your journey. Next up, we have the quote of the episode. For today's episode, it is this one right here. The road to success is dotted with many tempting parking spaces. That's quoted by Will Rogers. Yeah, there's going to be times when you when you have the option to settle. You know, we hear about those people in high school that peak. We hear about those people in college that peak. We hear about those people in their first job that peak. And, and, and I guess down the line, you kind of look back and you say, huh, what what really happened to that person and uh why didn't they go higher i had such high expectations for them i thought they were going to be the the best in the world but but you know they they didn't really fulfill their potential and i think it really does come down to this this quote right here you know those people just get comfortable they're like okay i've, I've reached it and and they do find that so-called parking space and they never get to where they should go so our quote of the episode one more time the road to success is dotted with many tempting parking spaces Come on. Come on. Well, that about wraps it up for this episode, but before signing off, there are some people that we need to thank for making this happen. First of all, we need to thank the artist Flick Flack for letting us use his music as our intro and background. We also, of course, need to thank our guest, David Berry, for sharing his expertise and knowledge with us. Next up, we need to take a second to thank all of the friends and contributors on the team for their help in terms of making sure we covered everything we wanted to. Finally, we need to thank you for listening in and sticking with us through this entire episode. If you have thoughts on the show or have feedback on how we can get better, we'd love to hear it. You can email us at podcast at eastbidwell.com, find us online at eastbidwell.com, or message us at facebook.com slash eastbidwell, and we promise to get back to you as soon as possible. Again, thanks for listening in. Take this information, try new things, and most important of all, get better every day. We'll see you back here next time. Mm-hmm.